Hello and welcome to Leaders in Conversation with me, Annie Townend, the podcast in which leaders share their personal leadership stories, weaving together threads of their life to encourage you to grow confidence and courage in your leadership. In this episode, I'm really delighted to be in conversation with Erica Bell, leader and builder of Courageous Teams, keynote speaker and passionate storyteller. Together we delve into why every moment is a choice, how leadership burnout really does exist, and what we can do to navigate the leader's sometimes treacherous journey, and how leaders can become more courageous so that their teams are more courageous. Welcome, Erica. Hi, Annie. Hi. Erica, I'd love to start by asking you about you, giving you an opportunity to tell your story, who you are, your values and beliefs, passion and purpose, and who are the people and the places and experiences that have shaped you and made you the leader you are today? Wow, that's a really big question. Um, and <laughs> I think it's a, it's a great question. So, if I'm thinking about the person who I am, I can point back to certain experiences in my life that demonstrate, I think, how I think about the world. And the first one is back when I was very young, I was a very independent child. And I remember that when I was maybe eight or nine years old, I decided that year that I wanted to bake my own birthday cake. It was something like my mom always made a birthday cake for me or she bought one and my parents are always there and celebrating my birthday. But even at that young age, I kind of wanted to take on things myself. I wanted to be able to do things on my own. And so I decided to bake my own birthday cake that year and um, it came out great and I loved it. And then as I grew a little bit older, I was a very like studious student. I was um, did quite well in school, very kind of driven from within. And I grew up in upstate New York. So I grew up in kind of a, you know, a, a typical middle class suburban type of uh, American upbringing. And by the time I was an early teenager, I had this wanderlust uh, for exploring the rest of the world. And I felt very at home and I loved upstate New York, but there was an opportunity that came up. And when I was 15, there was an opportunity for me to participate in a student exchange program. And I got to go to Russia. <laughs> wow. I had never been outside the U.S. before. And I was like a skinny kind of gangly teenager. And I went to Russia in 1992. So this was like a big year. You know, this was a lot of upheaval. The, the, the uh, Soviet Union had fallen and huge time of transition. And I went there for like three weeks with a bunch of other students. And I didn't want to come back. I loved it so much. I thought this world is so huge and just the diversity out there is so amazing. I came back with a bucket list of like wanting to see everywhere in the world, you know, Asia, Africa, Latin America. I want to see everything. 
Um, so it, it really defined the rest of my life because I, I then went on to study abroad. I took opportunities to travel and work internationally. Um, and the third thing that I would say has really made me who I am now um, is that around five years ago, actually, um, I was diagnosed with breast cancer. And this came at a time in my life where I was ambitious and I was on the leadership track and I had a, a young family and everything. And that diagnosis and everything it taught me has really shaped me because I think now as a 40 something, you know, woman, I think that taking charge of my career and my leadership is really an important thing. I really think that that diagnosis and just that experience of facing your own mortality really teaches you a lot. Mm. What did it teach you about leadership? Yeah, so I became a leader because I was ambitious and I was a good individual contributor and, you know, management saw potential in me and it taught me that despite the fact that I had gone up into leadership and everything, I really needed to take more time for myself. And in a nutshell, understanding that determining my own life was more important sometimes than ascending the career ladder and taking on new positions and earning more money and, and doing that. So it taught me a lot about that. And I think if I go back um, to the, the chief lesson I learned from the experience of cancer, I think that what I learned was that, you know, we don't control how many moments we have. We really don't, you know, things can be taken away from you in a second. So the only real choice you do have is how you live each of those moments, right? You can be present, you can be courageous, but you have the opportunity in each of those moments to make a choice. Absolutely. And that explains so much to me about why you're passionate about why every moment is a choice. Every moment is a choice. Mm. Absolutely. And, and I think that for people who have experienced something like this, either an illness or any type of life event where everything has changed up in your life, it could be a divorce, it could be an illness, it could be a death of a loved one or something, it makes you stop and think, right? Um, but what I advocate for, what I believe everyone could benefit from is even if you haven't had one of those experiences, to take the time to reflect and realize that you don't have to wait for anything to happen to start um, being present or making the choices that will allow you to live the life you want to live. I love that because something really important for me, Erica, is we have a choice about how we choose to approach something. And many listeners will have heard 
I think, probably of the, the growth mindset and how we can choose to approach something with that open mindset, that sense of possibility and of being open to whatever there is, which takes me back to what you were sharing around your being so open to going to Russia and loving that. So even though you have had this huge experience of the cancer diagnosis, your sense of possibility and of choosing to approach something with this incredible open mindset to be open to whatever life offers you is, is enormous and that we don't have to have, as you've said, a, a huge experience to be aware that we can make that choice, that choice to be present, that choice to be open to, to something. Yeah. I think it's a really interesting question to ponder because if I'm talking to someone and they haven't gone through an experience like that and they ask me, well, you know, you, you learned a lot from cancer and everything, but how, how is that relevant to me? Um, I have spoken in the past about, there's a lot of good um, analysis. There's a lot of good writers out there who think about these type of things. And the one I love the most is uh, there's a guy named Tim Urban He's given TED Talks and he has a blog and he has written a bit, life as a finite series of occurrences. We tend to think in our day-to-day -day life, you know, you get up, you brush your teeth, you have breakfast, you go to work. And if you actually think about it, if you actually break it down, you know, the rest of your life, it's a certain number of times that you're going to get to brush your teeth and a certain number of times that you're going to be face-to-face -face with your kids. And it's only a certain number of times that you get to do anything, really. And if you start to shift your mindset a little bit about that and you think there's not always going to be another day to, to make change happen if it's something that I feel needs to change in my life, maybe today is the day because maybe I only have X number of um, times left to make that decision. So you can always start now. It's never too late to start. Absolutely. And you have very much started now in sharing your story and sharing your story more widely yeah. uh, with people through becoming a speaker yeah. and becoming a keynote speaker, yeah. which must, I imagine, have taken great courage. And it would be great to hear more about that, Erica. Yeah, so... I left my job, my corporate role in early 2022, and I was, I was quite burned out. And so I was thinking about what I wanted to do to kind of reset myself. And I think that I had some healing to do. So I, I did some practice and meditation. I talked to a therapist, but there was something I wanted to learn. And it was kind of how to tell my story, because if you don't tell it, somebody else is going to tell it. Right. And so I really wanted to be able to communicate and shift the way I communicated so that I was thinking more about what the audience was going to receive. I, I thought less about I'm doing this for me and more about what's the kind of journey I can bring the audience on um, to get them to realize some of the things that I've realized. And so it was a long journey. It was a keynote speaking program here in Singapore. And we spent most of 2022 meeting 
with another, um, around 12 or 13 other women who were going through this program and the kind of heartfelt uh, stories, the stories that only you can tell, right? That's what comes out in your keynote and sharing that, you know, and working, working really hard at something and then sharing that and having people respond to it and say, wow, now I want to go out and do something. Now I want to do X, Y, or Z that I've been thinking about. And I saw the impact that that could have on people. You know, my purpose is not here just to climb the corporate ladder or to earn another title or manage a certain number of people. It's more about inspiring people to become courageous um, in their own way. That's wonderful. And your story that you share is very powerful. I have listened via LinkedIn to your story. And I would love for you to share some of your story. My, My keynote is titled Every Moment is a Choice. And and the, the reason I delivered that keynote was a friend actually asked me, you know, you've made all these courageous decisions in your life, but you had to go through cancer to learn all that. Like, how can I learn to become courageous without having to go through all that traumatic experience as well? And that was really the, the, the question that I started that keynote with. And so understanding that I wanted to talk to the audience in terms that they could understand about facing the fact that you don't have all the time in the world, right? You, you don't control how much time you have. And so I, I did talk a little bit more about my own cancer journey and how it made me realize that I did have a limited amount of time left and led me to make some big changes in my life, um, which were hard decisions. You can make small choices or you can make big choices. And I made some big choices about my family situation and my job and, and all that. Um, and reminding people that while we all have the opportunity to make choices, they have to be aligned with our values as well. Because I think that is really the key to making choices that you can live with, that you have conviction to live with, is if you understand what matters to you, then you can make those choices. And even if something, not everything goes your way, you know, you can make a a fantastic choice and still have things fall apart for reasons you can't even control. But at least you still know you made the right choice because it is aligned to what matters to you. One of the questions that I ask leaders to think about, as you know, and you've heard me ask is, who are you and why are you here? And given what you've just said, that's what you're encouraging leaders and listeners to do is to think about who are you, what do you stand for, your values and your beliefs. And when you know what they are, then the choices you make will be aligned to those values and beliefs. So the place to start is to think about what do you really stand for, what matters to you, what do you really care about, and then to make the choices aligned to those values and beliefs. And then why are you here? Given those values and beliefs, what's my passion and my purpose? And your passion and purpose is very much aligned to your experience and to encouraging 
leaders to be more courageous and to create more courageous teams. How do you do that other than through telling your story, Erica? Yeah, when I was kind of up and coming as a leader, I started as like individual contributor and then got some leadership positions and I went through some leadership development courses and, you know, you get labeled high potential and you kind of get elevated into positions of leading others. And there's a lot of talk around the hero's journey and that kind of leadership archetype and everything. And it, it can be good, I I guess, when you're first starting in leadership, understanding that. But what I really learned is that you have to go beyond the hero's journey because a real leader is not the hero, you know, they enable others to be the heroes. And that took a long time for me to realize. And I think that that was my own journey of having a big team report to me, having grand visions and transformation, which we executed, but feeling a bit like I was doing this for me and I was doing this for a bit of um, validation maybe seeking validation from, from senior management and everything. And I think that's kind of what caused some of my burnout and the, the reason I eventually left the role. And since then, really learning that you have to move beyond the hero's journey and your purpose has to enable others. And in whatever way, it's going to be different for everybody, right? I think it's a lot less stressful. Leaders do have or be... And the ultimate like pinnacle of that is just you're being a leader. You're not specifically doing anything. You don't have to have a title, but you are being a leader. And I think that you only reach that once you get beyond um, kind of the hero's journey and into that. It is very much a journey, isn't it, leadership? And I'm always talking with leaders about leadership is as much, if not more, about who you're being than what you do. Obviously, what you do matters, but who you are being really, really matters. And the the leader's journey is quite often very treacherous, I think. And burnout is real. You've had the experience of burnout. How do you spot burnout, not just in yourself, but in others? And what are some of the things that you can do to navigate what sometimes is a treacherous journey for leaders? Yeah, I mean, burnout for me, I think that there was a lot of signs there but there was also my own mentality of I'm going to push through this. I got a team to lead. I can do this. I can kind of put up with it. And I think the experience of COVID has tested most leaders in their uh, capability to lead, you know, with all of the different changes and things are changing all the time right now. So, but I, I found in myself that I was getting very frustrated with my team. There was a point where I just felt like, no one could live up to my expectations and having been looking at that in retrospect i think i was not living up to my own expectation it was like the self criticism that then spilled over i couldn't i wasn't able to regulate you know and and a leader needs to be able to regulate themselves and modulate their their own feelings So if you cannot regulate yourself anymore and you're starting to even feel like people aren't living up to your expectations, um, that's probably a sign. I mean, 
other than the fact that I was so, so work, you know, being a workaholic that I would sometimes wake up at 3am, grab my phone from the nightstand, answer emails, not being able to sleep. I mean, for a while there, I thought that was just what I had to do. And I realized this is not normal. No one should have to do this. So I think that there's some of those behaviors. And if you have a confidant, a mentor, a trusted peer, uh, that can just be your mirror and say, like, listen, you're not eating or you're not, <laughs> you know, you're late. You're late for every meeting now. And that's not normal for you. Like any kind of change in behavior like that. Um, but yeah, uh, keeping up appearances is something that most leaders are good at. And I think it could catch up with you if you don't address it. And you mentioned earlier the importance of having people around. You mentioned therapy, mm-hmm. getting help, having the help of friends and having those trusted people who can hold up the mirror and be the person that says to you, stop and think, because we're not always able to do that ourselves. Mm-hmm. Yeah. How has therapy helped you? How have your friends helped you, Erica, in taking the time for yourself and stopping? Yeah. Wow, therapy is uh, amazing. And I think that apart from, you know, my own personal situation at home, therapy helped me realize that um, I was trying to operate from a state of fight or flight all the time and how unsustainable that would be and why I was reacting the way I was to certain things. Those small triggers would just set me off. And therapy really helped give me a bit of a foundation on which to say that should not be my base level, you know, and and learning some tools. So therapy, I think therapy is awesome when it gives you tools, not just a therapist who listens and smiles and says, okay, tell me more. Um, and there's actually a great, a fantastic documentary on Netflix. Have you seen Stutz? It's fantastic. Um, I highly recommend it because it's like tools to, to regulate yourself. Um, yeah, so I think that that's helped me. Um, therapy has been able to bring that level down. Friends being there, realizing I didn't have to do everything on my own and having the type of friends who just show up. And if you're just breaking down, they just accept it, you know, they, they sit there and accept that from you and really cultivating people whose opinion you trust, because as a leader, people are going to be giving you feedback all the time or talking behind your back all the time. That's just the nature of being a leader. Like you're always going to have so many voices saying this or that or blah, blah, blah. And you have to choose who you're actually going to listen to. And so if you have that kind of a couple of friends, maybe a mentor, maybe it's your boss who's incredibly understanding. You just have to select those people who understand you and who you're willing to take the feedback from and then kind of ignore the rest. Really great because often we have to choose which voices to listen to or not listen to in our heads. But equally important is to choose who we listen to and pay attention to that will help us grow and flourish. 
Erica, as we come towards the end of our conversation, what are your three key top tips for leaders who want to build more courageous teams through being more courageous themselves, but also to really think about how every moment is a choice? Yeah, so I've, I've given this a bit of a thought, and I think that the the first thing is like before you're able to lead courageous teams, you have to understand where your own courage comes from. And so I think putting in the work to understand your core values is so necessary. And this is actually something you asked me in the past, you know, what are your core values? What is your leadership purpose? And I, I was kind of like, um, um, uh, I don't know. (laughs) And so if you can't articulate that clearly, then you don't really know what's driving your decisions and what is making you courageous. Um, And the second thing is as a leader, like you're always going to build visions or build a strategy, build a plan for your team and to understand how you are going to enable courage within the team. You always have to think about uh, what's in it for me and the what's in it for me for every member of the team who's going to be executing the strategy or the plan is so necessary because you're not the hero. You're not just presenting your grand vision and and expecting everyone to just follow along with it. You have to understand what is their motivation? Where are they going to find their courage by understanding their motivation? Um, And the third is just understanding that I needed a moment um, to create a space so I could respond to situations um, or to decisions or to people made such a huge difference because I was no longer reacting and I was able to choose um, a response that was aligned to my values. I could take a moment and think, what is really driving me here? Let let me make an appropriate response based on that. So I think that's an incredibly powerful thing for any leader. The leaders I admire, they can take a space to respond rather than react. That's wonderful, Erica. And thank you for sharing your truth and giving voice to your wisdom for everyone listening. To find out more about Erica and to get in touch with her, do follow her on LinkedIn, where she regularly posts and shares her story on the stage and other stories. To listen to more Leaders in Conversation with me, Annie Townend, do go to my website, AnnieTownend.com. A huge thank you to my support team, Taryn Weeks of Sparks Marketing, for helping with all the marketing of the podcast and to Coco O'Brien for the wonderful intro and outro music and for the podcast production. To contact me, Annie Townend, do email me on annie at annietownend.com and subscribe to my newsletter. Follow me on LinkedIn. I look forward to connecting with you. Thank you for listening and a huge thank you to you, Erica. Thank you for being with me today. Thanks, Annie. It was a pleasure.